Hey, Derek Sheridan from Rust Belt Basketball Coaches Network. Thank you for joining us this, this evening. We are stoked. We have Brody Garber, the reigning 3A state champions from the great state of Indiana, here tonight to join us. And we're going to talk about Brody's career, both high school and collegiate, and then his coaching career with an emphasis on his journey to a state championship in the 2023 Indiana High School Basketball Championship. Before we get going tonight, I'd like to thank the people who make this possible for us. RBS Activewear, where their season never ends. If you are in need of athletic attire, swag for your players and or coaches, awards, anything that you might need, give RBS Activewear a shout you can take it from me. You will not be disappointed. They will exceed your expectations. The next time you're in Maumee, Ohio, the mecca of Western civilization, stop by the Anthony Wayne Barbershop and see Christy. The Anthony Wayne Barbershop is directly next door to Jed's. There is not a self-respecting human being in Northwest Ohio who does not know where that Jed's is. Christy will get you set up, lickety-split. She offers great haircuts for a fair price. She is most certainly a fan of the working man. You might be in trouble if you have a man bun or anything such as a man bun. I don't know if Christy would have a heart attack if she saw one of those, but my vote would be yes, she probably would. But if you have a standard haircut, Christy can get you set up. See her at Anthony Wayne Barber. Danny's Cafe in Rossford, Ohio, a place for fun, more fun, and great food. Danny's has more flat screen TVs with every sporting event imaginable on every day starting at 11 a.m. and they close around 2 a.m. Danny's is the home for high school basketball in Northwest Ohio, as they have every game that they can possibly get, whether legal or illegal. That's a joke. Don't take that seriously. But they have a lot of great sporting events at Danny's. They have great food. It is a, it is a fun atmosphere. You can take that to the bank. So the next time you're in Rossford, Ohio, check out Danny's Cafe. You will not be disappointed. And last but not least, Grip Sprints, the shoe-to-court traction apparatus that works better than any other product I have used, both as a head coach and now giving private lessons. And the thing about Grip Spritz, besides its effectiveness, is it doesn't drain your account. You don't have to take a loan out to get new Grip Spritz equipment when the old ones wear out. It is uh, extremely cost affordable and it works great. So if your athletes are having a hard time keeping their floor to shoe traction viable, go online to gripspritz.com and check out their products. Brody Garber. Brody played at Fairfield High School in Northern Indiana, Northeast Corner Conference, I believe, unless they've changed the name of that league. <clears throat> and had an outstanding career. Most of you remember Mark Anderson. If you don't... Um, Mark was on here recently and is the head coach of the Owensboro Thoroughbreds of the Basketball League. 
And Mark got a chance to coach several times against Brody in high school. From Fairfield High School, Brody went to Huntington College and got to play for the legendary Steve Platt. And I can say from firsthand experience, Brody Garber was a freakish athlete and the great separator between Brody and a lot of the other great athletes who I got to play with in my career, and that includes junior college, was Brody could shoot the nylon off the nets. Uh, at a, a highly, um, I'm guessing, Brody, your career three-point average had to be pushing 40%, if not more so. I don't know if you remember what that statistic was. But we were loaded uh, from the perimeter with Jeff Shepard, Brody Garber, and uh, Matt Eberly. And then off the bench, we brought Ryan Ripke in, who was the fear of every person in the mid-MCC uh, conference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was a uh, it was a special time for all of us, indeed, going back to Huntington College, where we were all with Coach Platt, and besides um, the Sheridan kid, everybody there was a fantastic person to be around, and there was a lot of fun to be had, and it was nice for me, speaking selfishly, to go out on a note with um, the amount of success we had had because of Coach Platt and Coach Glancy's um, ability to get Matt Everly, Jeff Shepard, Brody Garber, Ryan Ripke, um, et cetera, et cetera, into Huntington College. <clears throat> but the way we're going to uh, run this, folks, is anytime you have a question, just chime in. If you have a comment, like you know, uh, Ryan, I hope, gives us a lot of his insight on his time with Brody as both a player and then as you guys um, came up the ranks and coaching together. And then we'd love to hear Mark's take on Brody's playing days, but starting off here, Brody, take us to your high school days and give us, uh, give us your journey, your, your, uh, your journey through Fairfield and, and what initially attracted you to Huntington college. You know, I was uh, fortunate enough to play varsity as a freshman um, under a guy named Steve Wachowski, uh, who is currently the head girls coach at Fort Wayne Dwanger. So he's still in the game. And actually, two to three years ago, as a COVID year, we actually coached against each other, which was a really neat moment uh, for not just me, but for, for Coach Wick, as we used to call him. And so Coach Wick, you know, he threw me in the lineup from the get-go. He was heavy, heavy into fundamentals, doing things the right way. Uh, so I was very fortunate to have him off the get-go. And then two years later, I uh, finished my high school career with a, a gentleman named Larry Lale. Um, coached at several different points. Coached just our last two years. And uh, my senior year, we were able to go 20-3. and three, um, Just a real successful year. Uh, we unfortunately uh, commonly ran into, this is pre, pre-class basketball. So we commonly ran into some larger schools. But it was hard for us to get out of sectional. Um, a whole lot and probably Mark will allude to too we always seem to run into like a Westview at regional or something that just kind of put the halts on our uh, career there but um, just a, a wonderful high school career you know coach Platt came in the scene probably I'd say early my senior year um, he wasn't a guy that recruited you real real early I think he kind of waited till he could kind of see the finished product and see what what are you going to give him in college and um, you know for me it came down to uh, Huntington, Bethel, and Grace were my top three, all three strong programs. 
uh, coaches that I respected. Um, but there was something about meeting with Coach Platt that he just had a way of just kind of saying how it was and like it or don't like it, you knew exactly where he stood. And I think everybody that played for him uh, can, can probably pick out a time or two where they had that incident with him. And when he came to our living room and just said, look, you're a good player. Uh, you should start for us as a freshman. And if you don't, it's going to be your fault, not mine. So on and so on and so on. You know, he walked out of there and I thought, that, that's a gentleman there that I think I could spend a lot of time with my next four years. Because um, I think we all would agree that, you know, your college coach is kind of that um, that fatherly figure that you got um, going for you. And, and, and I just think he was a, a gentleman that could and did teach me a lot more than just basketball. Well, I agree 100%. Um, what you said really resonates with me. I I was fortunate. I got to play for three Hall of Fame coaches in my pl playing days. And um, everything you just said about Coach Platt is one of the things that all three of those coaches had in common. Um, the ability to speak to people and using a Don Meyerism after you left a conversation with coach Platt, he didn't give people instructions. They couldn't understand. He gave instructions that Helen Keller could understand. He was very truthful and very pointed in his rhetoric. So once you got to Huntington college, Brody, what did you find was the biggest difference between playing at a high level in Indiana and then going to NAIA basketball at a, at HC. You know, um, the speed of the game, I felt like the court was more open. Um, that kind of changed a lot of things. Obviously the shot clock, I mean, dead ringer. That's, that's one thing that just makes that pace of play uh, go a lot faster, uh, which I was, you're kind of ready for. I think if you're a, an upper level high school boys basketball player, I think a lot of those boys are ready for, that shot clock to come um, and to be a part of that. And whether you agree with it in high school sports at some point, I, I think, honestly, at least in the boys game, I think it's almost a necessary thing to come um, after coaching girls. For, well, I don't, I don't know how I feel about the shot clock in the high school girls game, um, but that was very, very welcome. You know, fortunately for me, I was in a weight program and in high school that I, I came in at about 6'4", 205. So I, I think physically the demands of the, the bumping and stuff was not going to be a big issue, but uh, definitely the speed, you know, and as everybody said, um, everybody's best player from high school is now playing in college. You're not going to be guarded by another team's, you know, second best player, third best player. So, um, and, you know, when you come in with people like uh, Jeff Shepard, Matt Everly, uh, Ryan Ripke, and the other people that we got to practice against every day, um, that, that made it, you know, a little bit easier as well. Yeah, I think, um, I don't think I know looking back at those days. One of the things that you guys each brought with you, and I'm talking about Ryan all the way down through uh, you and Jeff, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all of you were from programs where winning was expected and, we had had some really good players before you guys showed up on campus, but they hadn't, uh, the big separator, one of the things with them not getting uh, recruited by a bigger school was they didn't come from a winning tradition. 
And uh, that was something that, that I noticed, not just me, but a lot of us noticed right away um, was winning for you guys, no matter if it was open gym or whatever, winning was an expectation. And that's something I've told a, a, a thousand and fifty people about, um, not just you guys, but Ryan, um, everybody, you know, cause, cause you know, at a small college, this is something that, that John Q public doesn't understand. Um, at a school like Huntington, one of the highlights for us when we were out of basketball season was open gym. We'd get into the gym in the evenings and get after it. And a coach was there at every one of them. So that was a big, big part of, uh, of our culture in the basketball program at Huntington. But I can remember explicitly uh, everybody wanted Ryan and it went down to because he was going to play hard every time. And that was something else that your class brought by and large uh, from top to bottom was something that, that was a huge piece that I know coach and I talked about long after uh, all of our time there was over where all of those small intangible things that really can't be taught. And when you get that or those things, and then you, we get the talent that you guys brought. It's just, um, it's a, it's a, such a game changer that it's hard to put words to. Um, so while at Huntington, are you, a, you were a PE guy, right? Did you teach uh, elementary ed, but now I'm a PE guy. Elementary ed, that's right. How was how did you find your balance between uh, academics and and basketball as your years uh, progressed? Well, at the beginning, I don't think I was the most studious student. Um, you know, just trying to be an athlete and everything, and and actually, whether it was her doing more than I wanted to, when uh, my, my current wife came to Huntington. For some reason, my grades went up a little bit higher. Um, we'll just we'll leave that um, at what it's at. But, you know, I did join the baseball. Team. I played baseball for three years, basketball for that. I, I just told a kid actually today in the weight room, they were like, so what did your schedule look like when you played two sports? And um, they were kind of flabbergasted, like, okay, open or workout in the morning, go to this, uh, fall baseball at night, and then go straight to open gyms after that. Um, I, I Sometimes I do look back, Derek, and wonder, um, at times, how, how did I pull it off? And, but, you know, Huntington's loaded with a lot of great people. Uh, I can, you know, right now, just professors' faces come right to me, you know, like a Dr. Brodigan, uh, Dr. Pretty that I had in Elwood, that those people would pretty much bend over backwards for you. And I think that's the value of getting a, a private liberal arts uh, Christian college degree is those people are there. They're there to work and they're there to help you out. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um I know it's funny you say it because Ryan said the exact opposite thing when when he got hooked up with his wife, her grades went up. And it was funny how that worked. And is that what you told me, Ryan? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I was gonna I was gonna say uh Brody's grades went up. That's called the Peggy Platt effect, I think. <laughs> I know what that means. I I I do know what that means. Um <laughs> Sure. So, Brody, before we get into your coaching career, um, tell us about your highlights, both high school and uh, from Huntington. When you think back at your career now, both from Fairfield and 
Huntington College, what are the things that you that uh, bring the most joy to you when you think of? You know, the, the success and the wins um, were, were great. Um, I was able to win sectional my junior year in one class system. Um, I see, I actually, I had nine seniors on my team with me in high school. Granted, five of them didn't really play a whole lot, but man, they were there to practice and to make us better. You know, the, the older you get, I think the more you value teammates like that. I don't think I did a very good job um, early on kind of valuing those type of teammates or, you know, even even my college teammates that were just there to grind it out. You know, I'm thinking, you know, in high school, I'm going to throw out a guy's name, Rob a Geiger, that was just there to take a beating every single day uh, for me. And Ryan Sark just gave it to the guy. But you know what? Next day at practice, he was there again. Um, you know, in college, I think about the the Kevin Mays, the Eric Farrells, those type of guys that were there to, to guard us day in, day out, uh, push us and make us better. Um, you know, and then obviously to, to end my college career, um, the year where we uh, made it to the final four, um, a, uh, when we played, my daughter played College of the Ozarks Saturday, they were the team that knocked us out my senior year. So there was a moment of, you know, they Indiana Wesleyan versus the College of the Ozarks. When I heard that go off on the loudspeaker, I had to pause for a second and just kind of go back to that. Like, yeah, they were the ones banked in the three-pointer, uh, ended it. But, you know, I look at – I came in with, with three other really good really good dudes, you know, with, with Ryan, Matt, and Jeff, um, and just the growth we all had together as, as young men. And then I think about – ended it with Gabe LaGrange and Brandon Holler were the two guys that kind of rode off to the sunset with a little bit. Um, you take all that winning away – um, it comes down to the fellows like yourself, Ryan, and I could keep on going on and on about names just flood David Porter. Um, I could keep going, but I won't do it anymore. But that in the end, just to have those friendships and relationships that we still have to this day, that, that made it all worth it uh, for sure. Yeah, a lot of the names or well, every name you just dropped there, um, the, the Feral Boy, uh, both the Feral Boys. Um, I actually had uh, Eric. No, Aaron. Aaron was the youngest. I had him um, in class as a student uh, when he was in fifth or sixth grade. Um, but that's just a, that's a great family out of Kokomo, Indiana. Um, salt of the earth family. Um, Porter, uh, all those guys um, came from great high school basketball programs. Um which which one of them was from Alexandria Monroe? Um, yeah, that would have been Dave Dave Porter. Dave, I, yeah. He was the one that I kind of got to almost recruit. Uh, me and Greg Glancy probably spent maybe a little bit too much time on the road uh, looking for deer and drinking like fountain pops at every gas station between, you know, <laughs> northern, north central Indiana. But, you know, I kind of was able to go recruit Dave, go to a lot of his games. And then uh, I kind of just partly just kind of felt like, um, you know, uh, big brother for a little bit. Um, and I know, you know, with Ryan doing a lot of his assistant coaching, I think, you know, he felt that way with a lot of people and it's things like you did too, for us there, you just kind of opened up your arms, uh, kind of surrounded us, um, tried to show us, you know, right from wrong and the best way to go about it. And I, and I think what we tried to do with those, when we were juniors and seniors, do the same thing for those kids. And I'm guessing Dave did that for somebody else that somebody else did it for somebody else. And that's a neat sports. And I think even the, the culture that coach Platt, you know, brought around it was, 
you know, play the game right, play it hard, play it the best of your ability, you know, pass those traits on to the new kids coming in and um, just, uh, yeah, enjoyable time. I, Dave, I, just, I smile every time I either see Dave, see him on social media, because I just think about that goofy 17-year-old kid I went and visited at Alexandria Monroe High School. And then just to think about, you know, the young man he is today. And uh, it just, that, that means a lot. Yeah, he he was at uh, Alexandria when I was coaching at Oak Hill. And uh, any kid who could play for Garth Cohn for four years um, was going to do really well. And I will even go so far as to say uh, prosper with a guy like Steve Platt. Going from a Garth Cohn to a Steve Platt is um, is a luxury. It's an absolute luxury that... Uh, too many kids don't get to experience. Um, for example, Saturday, I got up really, really early and drove down to Jay County, Indiana, and watched um, Coach Baumholtz practice. And um, it, it was really good for me. It was uh, it was a religious experience to a certain degree, watching Coach Baumholtz. But what you said that uh, really resonated with me is – uh, impromptu, he wanted me to talk to his t his kids afterwards, and I and I didn't have anything prepared, and so uh, I just kind of chuckled and said, "Well, um, you guys don't know how good you have it." Um, I played for a, a Hall of Fame high school coach, and I played for a, a, high, a college coach who's the, the the gym's named after, and. A lot of the things that you were told today were things that made me smile because I can remember hearing the exact same thing. But the guy, the thing I told the Jay County kids was the amount of specificity you're receiving now, the amount of direct instruction, and nobody in this gym today, and that includes the assistant coaches, which there were, you know, it's Jerry Baumholt, so there's 60 of them, um, were told something like, go do it or make it happen those abstract terms were never used at all never it was outside shoulder inside hand tailbone down uh feet why you know all of these specific terms that uh steve platter and greg glancy would have used and i told these jay county kids you're walking out of here um every day of practice and it's not your fault but you have no idea what it's like to be in a gym where you're told to go get it, make it happen, get it done. But then you don't do it correctly or do it to the coach's satisfaction or specifications and you get yelled at. Well, you guys don't have to worry about that ever. But a lot of guys your age do. And you need to make sure every time you might get mad at Coach Bomb, Bombhole or whatever, um, you have that in your back, back of your mind that uh, you are receiving a gift every day. And um, with that being said, from you know when we when Lance when when Kyle Fox and Lance Stockler left, um, that put Brandon Murphy and I in a, in a really unusual position. We were. Really hoping you guys were going to end up coming to Huntington. And um, you guys brought that kind of thing to us as players with, but instead of using, um, you know, Coach Baumholtz specificity in his terminology, it was your amount of competitiveness and your seriousness about being successful there. Because 
I was there after junior college, my redshirt year, where it was not like that. Um, far from it. It was it was not like that at all. So taking everything you've said and what Ryan has said and putting that uh, kind of in a in a in a nutshell, what Coach Platt did with the wins and all those things are stuff none of us will ever forget. But from my perspective and the other guys who like Brandon Murphy, he wasn't bringing in knuckleheads and he wasn't bringing in people who couldn't play and he wasn't bringing in people uh, who didn't want to be successful. And, you know, a lot of people here that say, well, heck it's college basketball. Why would a guy, well, coach Platt would never do that, but there were times there where, um, it sure felt like that was going on before coach got there. So he was um, the two biggest rebuilds I've ever seen at the collegiate level. Coach Platt's um, Marshall plan, rebuilding Huntington College basketball is number one it, it, from what I've seen. So um, I'm, I was hoping, and I know Ryan and I talk a lot about it, but I was hoping uh, you guys would have those same kind of um, thoughts because you were there during the good years, which is a good thing. Trust me, a real good thing. And plus, you got to spend uh, three more years with Ryan Ripke. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's Valhalla. <laughs> so... Take us through your transition from Huntington College. Well, go and I cut you off, Brody. Go ahead and finish what you were telling us about um, your fondest memories of both uh, playing at Huntington and Fairfield, besides your junior uh, year sectional championship in a single class system. Yeah. Um, you know, when moving on to college, um, just. Uh, you know, Coach Platt had a knack for putting you in a position to play, but play with some freedom. You know, high school, basketball, I feel like, and sometimes even still, it's kind of confining you, putting you in, in certain roles, and this is what you do. Um, but I, just, I enjoyed the freedom of college basketball and having that ability to um, be creative with it. And that's kind of what I've tried to do with coaching, like, you know, putting kids in the right spot, but yet a chance for them to succeed. And, you know, that's probably one of the biggest things that I took away from Coach Platt in terms of X's and O's. Kind of let the kids play, let the kids do what they're good at, uh, finding, you know, rules for people that um, that make them successful and in turn going to make the, uh, the team um, the career there with, um, you know, the 34 wins our last year. Still, I booked this summer every little newspaper article right? um, you know the, the Bethel boys always told us that we belong to be out there and you know we heard we heard it from yeah I get it Michaelis and um, Eric Brand yeah you're telling us that we didn't really know it till we got there and when we got there it was true like the level of play in the Midwest and let's just be specific the mid the MCC or now currently the Crossroads League um, <laughs> that is uh, some darn good basketball um, I've been able to watch a little bit more since my daughter's being recruited there last year too, and then catch some boys' games after a girls' game when they do some double headers. 
Um, that is just tough basketball. And uh, you kind of, I go back and I watch those games and I think, how in the world did I play at that level with that? But the kids are two or three inches taller, uh, more athletic, shoot it deeper. Um, it's just, it, it's just darn good basketball. And, and I'm just really proud that I was able to play at that level. And, and I feel like um, represent Huntington the, the best that we could. Yeah, I, I agree 100% with that. Um, to piggyback off what you just said, uh, when I moved to Ohio, when Stephanie and I moved to Ohio, I was getting ready to coach a game um, here at Maumee, and I didn't know anybody, didn't know the other coaches. And um, Anthony Wayne's coach uh, walked over to introduce himself. And before a game wasn't a good time to talk to me, I was uh, – uh, wound up pretty tight and uh, wasn't the most social person before a, a basketball game, but he, he had played um, somewhere in the Midwest and, and now I was uh, considerably older than him, but he said, I heard you played at Huntington. I said, yeah. And uh, he said, well, that had to be a great experience because uh, my college coach always referred to the way things were done at uh at huntington and uh he said the highlight of his career was getting to play in a tournament with two other mcc team uh teams in it and uh he said that the the, the amount of physicality that the teams from the mcc brought were something the kids on his roster uh, or his team had hadn't experienced yet and i'm thinking okay it had to be taylor because when paul patterson was at taylor um you know, those are games I wish I had. I wish I had the Coach Platt versus Paul Patterson game films. Uh, you got two great coaches there. Um, and and uh, I hope you guys uh, can help me out. I can't remember anybody in that league being more physical than um, Huntington or Taylor. I, I know Marianne at times, but the only team I can remember in my years at Huntington – that matched us uh, pound for pound with physicality was uh, the last year we played IUPUI when Bob Lovell was there. We played him at their place, and we we upset them. And um, that might have been the year before you guys got there. Or it might have been your freshman year. Ryan, was that your freshman year? Freshman year? No. No, we didn't play. We never played IUPUI. Okay. Um Mark, you remember a great big thick kid from Lebanon with the last name um, Teagle? No, I don't remember him. He was, uh, he was a, a massive human being and um, maybe 6'8", six, 6'9", six, and um, that's who I guarded. And I remember after the game, um, he said, um, I hope you guys enjoy your coach because uh, you, we're not getting coached the same way you are. And I knew him from high school, but uh, I, I think by and large, I think a lot of us heard those kind of comments through our, our career. Mark, tell us, uh, what do you remember about Brody? Well, we're going back, what, 30, 31 years? Maybe <laughs> or to 95. Yeah. So I was the Westview assistant up until 94. Then 95, your senior year was my first year. And I was, that's a whole different story. But um, what I do remember is that going against Fairfield and you, it was always going to be a battle. Uh, you guys played physical, you were fundamental. 
Uh, it was just one of those backyard brawls at Westview, Fairfield. We didn't have as much luck against Goshen, but Northridge, uh, games like that, Bethany Christian, Concord, you know, those were always fun games. And, and Lakeland and the places would be packed. I remember those. And it was always, you know, just people sitting on top of everybody. And the atmosphere was just unbelievable. And I know I've been out of Indiana for quite a while. And I know it's not the same, but when I tell people here in Ohio what it was like, it's they just kind of look at me like, oh, really? I said, yeah. You know, if you recall, uh, it would have been your junior year, uh, Elkhart, Elkhart Central, the regionals. There were 8,000 people in the game for a 10 a.m. game. And that was a nip and tuck game. And I still recall Rusty Yoder had four fouls. and You guys never took the ball at him. I, go all, I, I said to our coach, Jerry Esch, I said, all they had to do was run Rusty over, and he's out of the game with like five minutes to go. We don't win. But, you know, it's one of those things. But, um, you know, that's what I recall. I, I, you always went at it. You played hard. You, you played both ends, rebound, physical. It, it was always great. And, you know, that's 30 years ago. And I still remember those things. That's what makes it great. Yeah, I, going back to what you said about high school basketball, uh, when, I got, when I got a chance to talk to Coach uh, Baumholt after practice Saturday, and this is something I didn't know, um, not that that's a revelation. There's a hell of a lot of things I don't know. But um, I didn't know that in 1978 – Coach Fuller, and I think he I think Coach Baumholt was at Anderson then. And Coach Fuller died at halftime of a heart attack. And um then the following year they hired Coach Baumholt as the interim head coach. And uh he got beaten the regionals and lost one game the whole year, and they still fired him. And uh oh, you know. It, that's Indiana high school basketball. That's the, the kind of the shaky side of it, but he's looking at back at it now. And I can tell it still bothered him to talk about it. Um, Cause you know, back then in a, in a single class uh, system, you get the Anderson job. You're going to win 500 games well before your teaching days are over in a single class system. So, uh, so this goes to, to, to both Mark and Brody. Was Tim Cirque at Lakeland when you guys were were coaching? When Mark, when you were coaching there, and Br and Brody, when you were playing, he was yeah. uh, he was at Angola or Hamilton when I was at Westview. Okay, and then later, I think after I had left, is when he took the Lakeland job. Lakeland job. He was he was one of my men. Yeah, that's, that's correct. And I know when my uh, my position or Fairfield opened up. Would have been going into my junior year. I think he was the final two. It came down to Larry Lale and Tim Cirque. And I think Tim just, you know, a little bit young. Um, I mean, yeah. they weren't sure. Lale had, had a little bit more experience. Um, and I, I know hearing that name, some of us were like, oh, hey, you know, Coach Cirque, a little bit younger. He's kind of, man, he had a lot of energy. Uh, and in the end, it worked out perfectly fine. You know, Coach Cirque, uh, God bless him, had a great career there. Then he went to Lakeland and won a lot of games. And, uh, just you talk about a good basketball guy with tons of energy and cared about kids. Uh, that's yeah, that that's Tim Cirk right there. Agreed. What about Mike Sorrell at Goshen? Hmm? Yeah, Mike would have been there forever. Um, you know, 
the thing I remember about Coach Sorrell is um, after it would have been senior year, um, we had beaten them. He somehow got my phone number. And I, I don't know if this happens very often. Like, I didn't think it happened very often for a opposing coach to get a, another player's phone number, complimented me on the way I played and said, you tell me the four or five schools that are recruiting you, and I'm going to call them this week. And, man, you want to talk about something that just shook me to the core of that. An opposing coach who you're trying to beat, he's trying to beat you, and for him to show that much class and, I guess, just care, right? Um, you know, the list of schools you're looking at, I'm going to call them this next week. That's um, I, I still remember that to this day. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, Brody, because one of the – thousand things I talked with coach Baumholt about is exactly what you just said. Those guys who were in there, um, you know, probably heck their, their early forties when, when I came, you know, into coaching went sixth grade, you had Jack Gaber, you had uh, Mike Sor, Basil Mauby, excuse me, Marty Johnson, uh, Steve Woody, all of these guys. And that was something those guys did for kids. Um, they, more than anything, appreciated a kid who played the game the right way. And with you, um, with your upbringing, I can still remember having some great conversations with your dad. Um, those are things that those guys pick up on real quick. You know, um, you might hit a three-point shot, but you're not the kind of guy who's going to stick three fingers up in the air and backpedal back. Um, so I'm glad you said that. What, what do you remember besides that? What do you remember about having to guard Mike Sorrell's flex? <laughs> you know, he would work the clock, work the clock, and work the clock. Um, a comment that my assistant coach always made about uh, Coach Sorrell was he was the best 17-6 and six coach in the state because he may have absolutely no talent, none, zero. He's going to go 17-6. and six. And sometimes he would hold his better teams back um, by that, and they'd go 17-6 and six just because of that being so um, just slow with the ball, taking the right shot. I mean, it, you might be playing D for two to three minutes easily versus a Mike Sorrell team. Right. And, and were you fortunate enough to also play against Marty Johnson at East Noble? No, East Noble, yeah, East Noble was never on our schedule. Um, okay. We were used to be in their sectional before I got to high school. And then I think it was late 80s, we jumped over more towards the Goshen, the west right. side of us, and played in that. Mark, did you coach against those guys? Yeah, uh, Mike and uh, Marty. Marty was the last game I ever coached in high school. <laughs> in the sectionals, we lost 55-52. But that year, he had all three-point shooters in his center. Um, he told him if he shot outside of the free-throw lane, he would take you out of the game. So. I put in a 4-1 zone against them, just guarded the uh, three-point line the whole time, and it came down to a questionable call at the end, but they beat us by three. And that was the last game I coached in high school. Yeah, those are some, uh, those are some of the guys who made Indiana high school basketball um, – You know, you, I'll throw another name at you guys, uh, Brody and uh, and Mark. What about uh, uh, Coach Edison at Plymouth? Did you guys ever have to play them? 
No, we didn't. I mean, uh, Michael, his boy Michael was my age, and we ran into each other a lot in leagues and whatnot and watched a lot of film on Plymouth because they would play a lot of our schools that we would scout. And um, to the best that we tried to do uh, on my teams, we tried to run uh, an offense very similar to uh, Jack Edison's where a couple guys are out there to screen, two or three are, are out there to come off the screens, play off of it. And I tell you what, I could watch Coach Edison's offense um, I could watch that all day. Uh, very mover blocker style, um, just almost Bobby Knight-ish um, to a sense. And uh, I tried to model it. We did not do it nearly as well as Coach Edison. But, to man, just loved watching his team's play. Yeah, I pirated um, – I probably have close to 100 uh, Plymouth VHS tapes over here um and eric thompson and i uh, eric played at uh, saint francis when we were playing and um we both wanted to learn the jack edison blocker mover and um we both uh, ran it for a majority of our career eric's still coaching he just got the huntington north job but i learned really really fast that if i'm ever going to try to compare one of my team's to a Jack Edison team, it's not going to be good. I mean, that's, that's, it, it's impossible for Jack had such a good way of teaching that an effective way. It was, uh, like watching poetry in motion. For sure. Mark, did you have to coach against coach Edison? No. Uh, the farthest we ever went was to Wawa C. Okay. That's as close as we got. I, um, I say it a lot and I stand by it a hundred percent. I've never wavered from this. And I've gotten in a lot of good debates with high school basketball people. And, you know, uh, Morgan Wooten's name comes up a lot from um, DeMatha in Maryland. And uh, the 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 guy who was at Oak Hill in Mouth of Wilson, Virginia. I can't remember his name. I think his last name was Pearson. But, you know, I hear these names of the best high school basketball coach of all time. And I swear the best high school basketball coach I have ever seen in my lifetime is Jack Edison. As far as, you know, you look at the the last state championship they won, they beat um, Evansville bossing, beat them bad, made them just look like chicken, you know, chicken scratch. And uh, when you looked at both sides of the floor, the Evansville uh, athletes were far superior to what Plymouth had. So, so Brody, take us to your uh, – you know, going into uh, Huntington now, and what are your besides your um, your final four final four run your senior year? What are some things that um, you look back on now and um, really bring a smile to your face? Um, you know, I think I alluded to it. You know, just a little bit. Um, just uh, mentioning a names, like if you you just had a list of every kid that I played with, every guy that I got to, to go to practice with, games with, um, you bring up a name and I think uh, a little story or something pops up about him, um, the, the chance to play against and play with, practice against all these guys. Um, you know, those, those individuals that ended up, you know, making uh, a team. Uh, you know, I, before my daughter went to college this summer, we, we just had a lot of discussions about how she had really good high school teammates. I had really good high school teammates, but 
there's something about when you go to college and you're doing life together more, you're living together more, you're kind of pulling for each other. You, <laughs> you want the other guy to succeed. Um, just the chance to do that together with people. Um, and again, I, I could start saying names, but I feel I'm, I'm going to miss somebody out. And that's just not fair to all my teammates um, who I had. But um, just a neat experience to to call those guys teammates, to still call them friends. Uh, we got together. Let's see, the, nine, the 2000 team, I think we got together several years ago, got inducted. And to see these guys now with uh, kid, their own kids, families, they're grown up. Um, sometimes I think we look at each other like, how how did we get this lucky, uh, right, to, to be able uh, to play this great game with each other uh, for a uh, a guy, again, a Hall of Famer, um, Hall of Fame in life and, and everything. Um, the, the, the wins and losses just totally fade away. Um, they really do. They just evaporate. Um, and then you just kind of go back to uh, those peoples. And, and to have assistant coaches um, like Ryan, you know, a, a Greg Glancy, and I think we've had this talk before, and I don't know if maybe Rip and I have, or maybe Derek, we probably have too. Like, Glancy probably never really got the credit that he probably deserved. Uh, to bring all these people in. Um, yeah, you know, he was coon hunter, deer hunter extraordinaire, kind of goofy, but he knew how to recruit. Um, he knew how to talk to teenagers, teenage boys, and kind of bring them in and let them know that, hey, you can be a part of something special. Um, you can you can be um, even better than what you are now. And, and I know he just, like, I can remember my parents just saying, Hey, it's Coach Glancy again. He wants to talk to you. And I don't know if any I what the rules were, but I feel like he was calling me more than what it was allowed. But that just kind of lets you know he really wanted you there. Um, and, and I think, again, relationships with those people um, are just great things. Um, and now to be able to watch everybody else do life and do this thing together that we did, you know, we did the whole college life together, but now people are having their own families. Um, just a, what a wonderful experience. And I think everybody wants me to say, like, yeah, the winning, the this. That was nice. Don't get me wrong. But that, honestly, was probably like second or third. Um, all these uh, fellows that I got to, to kind of grow up with. And, you know, we'd all admit that we came in there like 17, 18-year-old little boys. And thanks to teammates, Coach Platt and Coach Glancy, we walked out men thanks to them. Well said. So take us through your, um, you and your daughter and um, your families and uh, Fairfield's journey to a state championship, Brody. Yeah, I uh, took over the girls program. It would be 12 years now. Uh, I put in 11 years um, there. I'd been assistant with the girls for a while. Uh, the gentleman before me um, kind of gave it up and he just said, you know what, you should just slide on over. And at that point, I was still, I was still head baseball coach. So I decided to do one year head baseball, one year um, uh, varsity girls basketball, and probably still lucky to be married at this point after that one year was uh, just totally I had two young kids at home. Just, yeah, not good. So I decided to give up baseball, totally focus on girls basketball. My, my daughter would have been a second grader when I took the job. Uh, my wife kind of took control of the youth program. Thank goodness it was not a paid position. She just did it out of the goodness of her heart. And, man, just brought up those kids and the girls around her, those grades around her. And uh, we just little, little by little by little just able to build uh, some stuff. We we just let those girls at a young age just play. Focused on defense. We, we were going to teach them the right way to play defense. But just let them play and not have a whole lot of set plays. 
So when they got up to middle school, high school, they knew how to play the game the right way and not have to run X, run whatever play you're going to run and just adapt to what was going on. And that was probably one of the things I think that paid uh, huge uh, dividends for that. But, uh, you know, Bria, when she became a freshman, tons of expectations on her, um, almost probably too much. There was a lot of times I felt bad for her. We didn't, we didn't talk a lot about expectations because our expectations for her were to be the best teammate you can and, and do everything you can to, to help your team win. It was nothing about score this amount of points. You have to shoot 15 times a game. Um, you know, people over and over again said, you know, Bria could have scored, you know, she scored 1,399. She could have scored 17, 1,800 probably, but we, we focused on success, winning. And, you know, at a young age, she would always get her teammates involved. You know, a lot of people would often said that they felt like she played a lot like me, maybe passed up a shot or two and, you know, worked for a good shot. But it, it made her teammates better uh, in the long haul uh, for that. So freshman year, we did not win sectional. Her sophomore year, we won sectional. Um, we're we're uh, regional runners up, went double OT um, with uh, Bluffton. Came the next year um, in 2A at that point. We were still in 2A at that point. Made it to the final four, lost to a Frankton team by one point that would have put us in the state championship. Uh, we would have played South Bend, Washington that year, and uh, we would not have beat them. <laughs> They're just the powerhouse up here. Uh, they moved up to 4A. And that next year, we moved up to 3A. Our, our clientele has just gotten a lot larger and um, just had a great year. I was able to win tournament, NECC tournament, NECC regular season, um, sectional, um, regional, semi-state, and then uh, went to that state championship. And, you know, I just, I just tell people all the time because we all watch the state championship, I think, at home. I've been able to go to a couple here or there at GameBridge. And you kind of always envision yourself on the court, coaching that game, grabbing that clipboard, calling up that right play. But deep down, am I really there? And to be able to have that opportunity with uh, my daughter on the team, uh, my wife was my assistant coach. Uh, two other coaches I had were Fairfield alums, uh, one of them that I went to college with as well. Um, and one that I, I coached, she, she, our JV coach was a gal I coached back when I first got started, um, to do with those people and, you know, my daughter's best friends on that team. Uh, a lot of their families are, you know, good friends of ours. Um, just when somebody just said, like, it's kind of like, um, it was like a Disney movie, um, not big into Disney movies because sometimes they're a little, a little bit odd, but it, you really couldn't have drawn it up any better. Um, the couple teams we lost to, like Fort Wayne Snyder, just whooped up on us and is exactly what we needed. A good Columbia City team beat us by a couple. Um, it's like everything just played out the right way. You have to be healthy. I mean, we had no major injuries, maybe a game here, a game there. Um, but what what a blast uh, to be able to do that and still look at pictures today. And th this is odd, but I have not fully watched the state championship game yet. Still haven't done it. Uh, you're not the first person who has said that. Um, the people who I've spoken with who have earned a state championship. Um, so that's kind of a neat, neat uh, commonality you guys have. So tell us about um, some of the things you saw from other teams that really made you guys um, – have to go to the drawing board and prepare maybe a junk defense or um, something of that nature. 
you know, we um, we hung our hat on three, three things um, night in, night out, and regardless of the opponent, um, was we had to play defense every night. You know, we ended up being the number one team in the state. I think it was 28.77 points per game. Uh, we did it with an extended 2-3 zone and then a 1-3-1 one, one, kind of half court, not really trapping, but just a half court zone. Um, we we decided we were not going to turn the ball over much. Our goal was under 12 turnovers per game. Uh, we ended at 8.9 per game, which I think in the girls' game is is unreal to, to only turn the ball over 8.9, um, you know, for that. It's uh, revolutionary. That, and then to shoot free throws really, really well. We shot free throws. I think it was a 72, 73% clip. Uh, that's kind of the old Bobby Knight adage. Um, win a couple of things like shoot more free throws than they make. You know, don't turn the ball over and win the rebounding battle, things like that. Um, that was a staple no matter who we played. Um, and really, you know, we had enough belief in what we did. I think there's a box in one here, a box in one there. But I can't tell you through the state run, everybody told us, like, your zone, uh, your extended zone's not going to work. And, and we kind of did this backwards. So I put my daughter's about six foot. Um, our other people that played the top of the zone were like five, seven, but long arms. Arms and the other gal was 5'10". Our three tallest girls played the top of the zone. Our short girls played the bottom. And our middle girl was legitimately 5'3", five, 5'4", five, that played the middle. But she just beat people up. Just mm -hmm. absolutely beat people up. Um, and we were told a lot, like, that's not going to work. Uh, don't do it. Twin Lakes was an amazing outside shooting team. They said they're going to blow you out. And, uh, you know, that, that goes with that, that thing where you believe in each other. You believe in what you draw up. Um, you know, and honestly, like the parents have got to buy into this because no. if they're out back there chirping and telling their kids, oh, you guys can't win like that. Um, that I, I've said that to a lot of people, you know, for, for some reason you win a state championship and I guess automatically you're a lot smarter because everybody's asking me, hey, come in and talk to us, talk to that. And, you know, when there's parents involved, that's what I do bring up. Like parents, you have to buy in. You have to go along with what's going on, even if you think it's the most crazy harebrained thing in the world. You know, at the dinner table, I hey, I think what Coach is, is brewing up is, is a good thing. You know, you can go back to your wife afterwards, and, and I've legitimately said this to parents, you know, before you go to bed, what I said about Coach Sheridan, I don't believe a word, but I'm going to let my kid know that's how they need to believe and they need to do it. And that belief factor, man, that, that is a powerful thing. Oh, I – A plus. Um it's it's one of the most underrated aspects of coaching high school, and Mark could give us a better idea what it's like coaching at college with with that. But um, I, it's it's funny um, when we turned the corner at Maumee, which had been a, a train wreck uh, for a long time, and like you said, people think all of a sudden now you've got a magic formula or you're some kind of genius. You know exactly what it was was I had a group of players who their parents wanted their kids to have a successful high school basketball career, and they bought in. And if someone was sitting around them, they, as a group, would get up and move. And, um, and like, you, you know, it, it, I'm so glad you said that, Brody. Um, if a kid hears something at practice and they go home and, and say it, repeat it, whatever, and the dad, primarily the dad, makes it out to be a, a, a terrible idea. That puts the kid in an awful position. 
because they want to they, they want to appease their father and they want to appease their coach. But the way life works is 99.9% of the time, the dad's going to win that fight. So having parent buy-in is, is um, of the utmost importance. And your our buddy, Ryan, one of the things about Ryan that was not, not, not Ryan's ability to coach the game, which everybody knows is, is, a, is fantastic. It's effective, all of those things. But the way Ryan got not only parents, but a community in a community that is not easy. Uh, Delta is not an easy place to coach. It's not an easy place to win people over. And uh, what Ryan did with that girls basketball program, um, everything you just said, both of you guys were out, outstanding at that. And that's that's something that you know you're not going to take a class on that or necessarily read a book on it. But my God, is it important? Um, what about your your administration uh, throughout your careers coaching? Were they pretty supportive? Yeah, um, you know, my first uh, principal, Phil Hoskins, gave me the baseball job at 23, um, and he literally told me, he says. I don't know if I should be doing this or not, but I'm giving you the job. I'm giving you the reins to run the baseball program. And then, um, you know, in 12 years, um, six sectionals, two regionals, a semi-state appearance. Um, and, you know, he, he was a big believer in me and it pumped in a lot of, um, you know, just that positive energy. He was a sports guy and I greatly appreciate that. Uh, my AD that's been here most of the, the way along here, Mark Hofer, he just gave it up. Um, just totally... Um, having your back. Um, and there, there was times, you know, when we're younger, I think we all said some stupid things as a coach. Maybe we said something to a kid or a parent we shouldn't have. And Mark was one of those. And I think we hopefully we've all had administrators like this in front of the parents. Brody this, Brody that, whatever. But then appreciate kind of what you said. You know, I did have your back there, but you're not going to, we, we can't be doing that. Right. And Mark had just an eloquent way of having my back uh, in front of me. Let's have an adult conversation one-on-one. -on -one. And uh, that, that's something I really appreciate. If I ever get into administration, which at some point I would like to get in some athletic administration, that right there, that's gonna that sticks with me. Uh, that, that'll resonate for a long time. Yes. Yes. Well put. That That's good stuff. Um you're coaching, you're assistant coach with the boys now. How's that going? Well, you know, for those of us that have coached both, and, and Ryan's in this boat, I'm not sure, Mark, if you have. Um, I started off on the boys' side, so I didn't really know any different. And then uh, somebody told me, hey, this girl's position's open, why don't you go for it? And I'm like, oh, man, girls, come on, crying, whatever, whatever. And, man, after a year or two, I – I, I got I, the bug bit me and, and I can remember having a conversation with Ryan. I think you'll remember this Ryan at some point, just your position over there at Delta opened up. And I said, look, you're going to go to girls and you're not going to want to go back. And there was probably some chuckling or whatever going on. And, and I think after about a year, we had another conversation and Ryan was like, yeah, you were right about that. I mean, Ryan's probably said out, Ryan's probably said more that I've been right, probably more than my wife has. So I got to, I got to go with that. Um, but now getting back in boys, um, they think they know it all. They're not right a whole. They're not wrong a whole lot. Um, 
but little by little, I can see them kind of coming around um, a little bit. You know, here's the, I don't know how many people can say this. Um, I've coached my daughter. I've coached Denise. I'm currently coaching my son and I'm coaching a nephew. So when it's all said and done, um, I'm going to coach four different, I don't know, human or family connections. Um, I, I think that's pretty neat. I'm, I'm not done with my nephew and my son. We still got three more years together, but um, that's pretty neat. So one thing is that, you know, my son and I wanted some time in the gym together, like uh, my daughter and I did. Now, granted, being the assistant coach is different, um, but already just to have that extra two, two and a half hours every day after school, because uh, gym time is different. And it's not like going home and, you know, playing Yahtzee or something like that. The gym time is just different. Uh, so the time that him and I have been able to have so far and, um, that's, I think down the road, we'll appreciate that even more down the road. You will for sure. So Ryan Ripke, what's your favorite Brody Garber story? Oh, um, I don't know. It might be, might be the one where, uh, where he broke my nose in practice. Um, could have been that one. Um, it could have been the one where, uh, Oh God, Brode, was that uh, was that your our freshman or sophomore year when you, when you dunked on Indiana Wesleyan? That was that was a good one. Um, you know, to be honest, um, you know our our freshman year we were not roommates, but but we kind of uh, just kind of gravitated towards each other. We had a lot of things in common. Um, I think we grew up in very similar families. Um, and then over the course of the next three years, we lived with each other. Um, and we just developed a, a lifelong friendship and, uh, you know, I could probably, we could probably talk all night about memories. Um, but, uh, you know, some of the, some of the, I think the, I don't, I don't want to want to say fondest memories, but, but one of the first memories that, uh, that came up when I was thinking about it was when Brody and I took our wives to Florida after we graduated, um, took a, took a family vacation together and, um, we've camped out with our kids and, um, you know, just it's as Brody talked about, it's, it's those relationships that you created during, during those four years of college. Um, and, I think this word is used a lot, but it's true. There's a brotherhood with uh, when you play college basketball or any college sport together. Um, and, you know, I, I know that, you know, Brody and I have, have kept close over the years and, and our families have, have been pretty close, but, but I also know that any one of those other guys that, that I haven't, been very close with over the years i know that i could call them up if i was in the area and i could i could camp out at their place if i needed to you know um so so yeah i i think the just that lifelong friendship um is the biggest thing for me with with brody um and as i talk probably another huge memory for me was um three and a half years ago when I, when I lost my dad and he and our roommate, uh, Jeff LeBeau decided to drive out for his viewing 
Um, and that was in the middle of the pandemic, you know, so just things like that. Um, stories like that, that that's, that's an, a, a testament to Brody's character and the kind of guy that he is. Um, but it also, I think goes to, um, the kind of friendship that we have as well. Well put, well put. Well, I'd give you my famous uh, Mark Anderson story, but um, I'd have to put this as uh, rated R, which is a joke. Um, Mark and I met uh, working at camp together when shit we were young. But uh, Brody, I really appreciate you doing this for us. Um, it's been great talking to you. It's been even better uh, listening to you and um, catching up and. You brought um, brought back a lot of good memories, um, and um, I'm so happy for you. So happy for you. I think um, things like this should happen to people like you and your family. So keep up the good work. And um, Stephanie and I have already talked about it. We're uh, we're going to spend a little bit more time in Indiana this uh, this winter. Maybe uh, we can zip over and and uh, watch one of your games. Definitely want to see your daughter play um, for sure. But uh, thanks so much, Brody, for uh, donating your time to us. And it's been a great evening of talking basketball and learning more about uh, you as a player and. Um, as a coach ryan and mark thanks so much for joining I appreciate it, i think i'll uh if i could speak for other people and other coaches uh just thank you for the work you do and uh just kind of shining a light on uh just some maybe some stories uh bringing basketball to the front um of, of kind of what we do but like the back stories that you kind of cover is i think what i appreciate the most and i'm sure other people i would think would agree with me because, you know, basketball is what basketball is, right? You put it in the hoop, you see players, but there's so many stories behind the scenes that you brought up, you know, talking about other coaches. The thing you did on uh, Coach Platt was just unreal, absolutely mm -hmm. unreal. And I think you just find some stories that, you know what, five people may care about, 800 may care about, but I think you value um, what you find. And I think you find stuff that is important to you, and I think you think it's important for other people to hear. So. I, I appreciate uh, greatly appreciate the bargain. I appreciate that, Brody. I, I, that's nice. Uh, very rarely do I hear anything good, but I appreciate that. I uh, It kills me not to be able to coach. It does. Um, that was uh, something that was – and maybe this is uh, God's way of uh, sending a message to me, but but basketball was, was and still is uh, a vital part of my life. And unfortunately, I got to the point with me uh, – where I, I think it was, it was uh, maybe identifying, I don't know, but um, I appreciate you saying that. I know um, for, and this is one of the things that Mark and I have talked about, I know Ryan and I have talked about it ad nauseum. Um, the thing that scares me, that terrifies me, is I don't find a lot of young coaches and I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm not, I'm saying I don't find as many as I used to, or I should say we used to that have the same purview and the same passion for the game 
where uh because you know the running joke used to be this ain't a hobby this isn't a hobby you know one of the one of the kids would say something out of, out of a timeout or uh, after a game coach that was a great call well this isn't a hobby you know this isn't this ain't a hobby you know and uh um um, I know uh, Tom Johnson was the last podcast we had and, and Tom and I go back 30 something years. Uh, but yo, know, you, after a year where, where uh, I, I don't know, Brody, if you ever had a year where you only won a handful of games and um, you know, you buckle down then I, I don't care if the, the day after the season, you get your house in order, you go and spend some time with your wife. And with me, that was about a four hour process. And she was ready for me to get the hell out back out of the house but um, you start getting ready for the next year and and come hell or high water, you're not going to have another year like that, you know, and, and it, it's a all consuming endeavor where, um, you know, you've every every piece of paper in your house in my office has something written on it and none of it's written about anything important. It's about a game, you know, a basketball game. And um, my point in saying that is, um, there was only one way I was going to quit. And that's if one of my administrators came to me and said, we are quitting you for you. You know, you're done. You're, you're, we're going to fire you. Um, but I see so many young coaches now who go through a rough year. And yes, it's true. When you go through a rough year, you're the dumbest person in the community. Everybody, everybody thinks you're an idiot, everybody. But that's part of it. You got to know that going into it. But there's no way in heck I'm going to quit, you know, and these guys now, um, they can't stand it when someone's mad at them. They can't take it. They, 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 and they're quitting. And, um, and so those poor kids get stuck with three different coaches in four years, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. So I, I, uh, I'm trying hard to really exemplify the people in this game who, and, and it has nothing to do – I mean, sure, it always has something to do with winning. It does. And, and I'd be stupid not to say that. But more more so than that, more so than that, the people who take young coaches and, and train them to be coaches, the people who, um, you know, you might need something. Let's say Brody Garber needs help. You're getting ready to play East Chicago Central – and their press is is unreal, and their athletes are unreal. And you've got uh, you've got to have some help. And people need a person like for me. It was Dick Kroll here in, in Northwest Ohio. What in the heck am I going to do against this? And we sit down and talk about it. But the flip side of the coin is once he leaves my house, he's not going uh, to Max and Irma's tomorrow and telling everybody oh, I had to help Coach Sheridan. He doesn't. You know what I mean? So I I, I know Mark and I've talked about this a lot. I. I I want uh I don't want the game to become a hobby. So I'm off my high horse now. So I appreciate you guys so much for taking your time out of the uh your evening to talk to us. And Brody, God bless you, my son. I um I can't wait to see one of your teams play. Whether you're an assistant coach or not, I don't care. Um I get to see Ryan a lot, which is always does my soul good to see Ryan. And then uh, Mark, Mark and I are going to get together here again really soon. And Mark's going to break down his uh, special situations package for us. And we're going to have another Mark Anderson evening. And there will not be a uh, a female within a hundred mile radius who isn't excited about that.
you know, Mark is a legendary. I, a lot of the people think he's a movie star. He's not. He's just an average guy. Oh, stop. Stop it. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, thank you so much. And uh, Brody, God bless you, my son. Thank you so much for taking your time out uh, and talking to us. Ryan, I'll talk to you soon. And Marcus, yep. I will talk to you soon as well. All right. All thanks, right. guys. Enjoyed it. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. And always remember what the Irish say. If you can't do what's right, by God, do what's left. <laughs> See you guys.